let's talk wellness now. And uh, we focus on sex education and sexual wellness for young people as we mark Child Protection Week. So one of the key areas to highlight is uh, the importance of teaching children about sex in order to prevent teenage pregnancies or how to take care of their bodies and to know when the line is being crossed on issues of sexual abuse. For more, we're joined on the line now by Dr. Eli Rosen, who's a sex educator at Sexy Smarts. Dr. Rosen, thank you so much for joining us. How are you this Thursday? It, I am doing very well. Uh, it's much earlier in the morning than I would normally be awake, mm -hmm. but I'm very excited to be able to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. We appreciate your time for making uh, this early morning happen for us because this is quite important. And as we're speaking with our listeners in our poll question or as we're posing the question, uh, sex education and uh, talking about sex with our children is quite important. So where does the conversation then begin in terms of, as a parent, I've now decided... I'm going to have the conversation. What do I need to make sure if there was a list of boxes I need to tick is part of those lists uh, or those boxes uh, in my list? Well, firstly, I think what we need to be aware of is the fact that this isn't one conversation. It's a lot of conversations that are happening over a, a period of years. And it starts when your child is still... Um, a tiny, tiny little toddler just with being able to identify body parts, you know. The song goes, um, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, and there's nothing in between that, mm. right? Um, we don't give children accurate words to describe their bodies, to describe their genitals. Um, and we need to start doing that. We need to start opening up the conversation much, much earlier um, and giving children first of all, information about their bodies and how it works, and then expanding on that in an age-appropriate manner as the kids get older and start asking questions about where do babies come from. Um, and then as we've, we've already opened this conversation and we're having uh, a communication with kids, that that communication continues all the way up until we're actually having honest question, uh, questions and answers and the dialogues around what is sex and why do people do it and what are relationships um, and what are important things to know about my body and how it works and how it interacts with other people. And that's important what you say, the questions, because I think maybe as parents we want to deliver what we want to say and then we're not prepared for the questions that may come from that conversation. So let's talk about that also, making sure that you allow the children to ask the questions. Well, that, that's very important, right? So specifically in, at Sexy Smarts, what we do is we focus on the voice of the child. Um, and every school that we go to, we give the kids an opportunity to ask the questions that they're dying to ask. Mm. Um, and as a result, over the 25 years that we've been in business between my partner, my business partner and myself, uh, we've got a database of over 15,000 questions. And those questions are the same between all the genders. Um, they've changed from grade to grade as the kids' interests and understandings change. Mm. Um, but there's not a single class that I go into where I don't get a list of at least 100 questions up front mm. of kids wanting to know about every single possible topic you can think of related to sexuality, 
entity relationships. And we're going to differentiate between that, the sexuality and the sex talks and what needs to happen there. It is Pride Month. We need to touch on that. But what about those uh, parents who argue that having these talks with our children encourages them to be sexually active? What would you say to that? All the research that exists when it comes to looking at what methodologies work and what methodologies don't work identifies that comprehensive sexuality education does prevent early sexual debut um, and does rely, uh, result in kids having uh, a better understanding of their bodies, a better understanding of relationships, and being less likely to get into situations um, that are detrimental to them. So whether it be uh, being able to identify sexual abuse when it happens, whether it be being less likely to be pressured into sex that they're not ready for, and then also being able to make good healthcare choices when they finally do start having sex. Um, mm. I just want to differentiate, though, that comprehensive sexuality education is an entire system of conversations that happen over a long period. Mm. Uh, we're not talking about the once-off conversation. We're not talking about um, just showing a kid a video about this is how sex works and then never touching on that subject again, right? Mm. Um, If we want kids to be protected, we need to empower them with the information that they need, which means that we need to be able to openly talk about sex and relationships and sexuality. When I say sexuality, I mean all the things that relate to us as sexual beings as uh, from the time that we're born until the time that we die. Um, I'm not specifically talking about LGBTI issues, although that is one part of this conversation. Yes, and you speak of a video, you know, just uh, playing a video and then leaving it to that. There are some parents who still struggle with this topic because there's a discomfort in the chat for them because their own parents didn't talk to them about uh, sex. And one of our listeners said this morning that, you know, we never had these conversations or most of us didn't, especially, I guess, in our black communities. I can cite that because I'm black. Um, You know, I can speak for that uh, group of people but I can't speak for everyone. So then is it safe to leave this topic to be discussed at school for those parents who feel like, no, I I can't touch this. I don't know even where to start. Well, I think that's a very important point, right? There is a certain amount of taboo around talking about topics around sex and sexuality. Um, And there's a certain amount of shame that people carry and a certain amount of um, fear that people have when it comes to sex and navigating these conversations with with their kids. The perfect person to have this conversation with your children is you yourself. Mm. Um, In the ideal world, every parent would be able to sit down with their kids and have these talks and have these discussions. Um, But in South Africa, we realize that as a country, we are very sexually dysfunctional. Um, And a lot of kids are just not getting the information that they need. Uh, Mm. It's all very nice that there are some families who are able to navigate these these conversations. But for a lot of kids, they don't have a parent at home 
who can answer these questions, either because they themselves don't have the answers and they've never been given the information themselves, or alternatively because uh, there just isn't a parent at home to answer these questions. So because of all of this, the government of South Africa said there needs to be some sort of intervention so that we can make sure that every single child in the country leaves high school with the same amount of information about bodies, about how they work, about relationships, about how relationships work. Um, and that's why they created the, the lessons that are part of life orientation. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. the, problem, the problem that I have with the lessons in life orientation is that the quality of these conversations is going to depend very much on the life orientation teacher um, and whether or not that person is comfortable having these conversations um, and whether or not they've had sufficient training in order to do justice to the topic. Yeah, and, and also being around other, you know, fellow scholars might make a child not feel so open or, you know what used to happen sometimes where you, you're trying to prove a point and be the clown, the class clown, and you're just funny about it and you're not taking it seriously. Absolutely. And I think that's normal for kids, right? Um, bodies are funny things. They do funny things. Uh, there's a certain amount of awkwardness and laughter that happens during this conversation. Uh, kids will laugh when they're feeling awkward. Um, and we need to kind of normalize that, right? Because awkwardness mm. is part of the whole experience. And I think when we remove the opportunity for kids to have a trusted source of information, like a life, orienti- a life orientation teacher, like a parent, um, what kids end up doing is they go to their peers or they go to the internet and start looking for this information in other places. Uh, and then there's no guarantee what information they're actually going to be um, getting. Yeah. So, so it's, yes, I don't think we need to be put off by the awkwardness of the conversation. I think we need to embrace it as part of the learning experience. So what, what else should we avoid then? Uh, so let's normalize the, you know, when things are a bit uncomfortable, there's laughter. What are the don'ts as parents when we are having these conversations? Um, I don't think we need to look at don'ts because, you know, every family is unique. Every family dynamic is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's better that we focus on what sort of skills are going to actually help parents have these conversations. Um, and I've got a very simple little method to actually deal with sex and body-related questions. So when your kids come to you with a question, right, and they've got some sort of information that they want from you, mm. um, how do you deal with that? Now, when we as parents are about to give information to our child, we need to be aware that the there's a couple of different ways that these conversations might happen. We might have our kid come to us and say, mommy, daddy, whoever, where do babies come from? Mm. And that gives us an opportunity to have a conversation about where babies come from. Um, Or a child might come to us with a conversation about what does gay mean? Um, And sometimes we might find ourselves clamming up because we weren't ready for this conversation. So then we brush the child off. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh, no, we're not going to discuss that. 
Um, and that then leaves an unanswered question and a, a sense of fear with the child because now why won't my parents have this conversation with me? And our silence can be very loud. And then some other times we might have a parent who says, oh, you know what, I've seen the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing happening all over social media and on the news. This is a good opportunity for us to talk about domestic violence, uh, gender-based violence, and use something topical that's happening in the world to have a specific conversation. Mm. So what parents can do when they get a, a kid coming to them with a question is, first of all, give the kid an opportunity to clarify so your kids come to you saying, uh, what is an erection? And you say, what do you think an erection is? Um, and that way you can find out what your child's knowledge base is currently. Mm -hmm. Then you give only the amount of information that the child needs. So your two-year-old or your three-year-old sees you putting uh, menstrual pads into your trolley and they say, what is that? And you say, it's a menstrual pad. And you just leave it at that. Uh, and then as they get older, they'll say, okay, but but what does a menstrual pad do? And then you say, um, if a person doesn't get pe pregnant in a month, a little bit of blood comes out, and this is used to catch that blood. Um, and it happens for all women uh, throughout their lifetimes. It's a normal part of being an adult. Mm. And that then opens that question. So if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know the answer, you can say to your child, you know what, I actually don't know the answer to that. Why don't we look up the information together? Or alternatively, can I look this up and get back to you? And then it's very, very important to actually come back to that topic and clarify and give information after that point. Okay, so that uh, gives us practical examples then if we're asking what is age appropriate. Uh, share only the amount of information that the child needs. But where, in cases where the questions have not come from the child, what would you give us as examples of what is age appropriate? Let's say in the different uh, brackets of under the age of six and then a third, uh, I mean a second bracket of six until 12 and then a third bracket of the teenagers 12 and up. So I think one of the things that parents don't realize is that the conversations need to be hap happening much earlier than what you think. Mm. Um, kids are being exposed to a lot of information out in the world, much more than what we realize, much more than we would be very comfortable with. Um, so this is definitely something that we think that we need to delay these conversations to as late as possible but in fact, if you are not having these conversations before children are getting to puberty and into the teenage years, you've left it too late. Mm. So uh, under the age of six, you're really looking at kind of basic words for body parts, basic body function, um, and basically giving kids the, the what is that answer um, they, they tend to think in very literal, direct um, terms. Mm. So it tends to make the, the questions that they ask very fact-based. By the time kids are getting to the, the older years, you know, a lot of kids are going through puberty very early now. We have kids who start menstruating 
at eight years old. Um, they need to be able to have these conversations and expectations of what's happening when a body changes and a person starts menstruating so that it doesn't come as a complete shock, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that also then fits into the bodies and body function category. As kids get older, they start seeing themselves as relational beings and what does it mean to be in a relationship with other people? How do I navigate conflicts in my friendships? Um, What does it mean to be dating somebody? Uh, What does it mean to be sexy? And start having those conversations as and when they start coming up. And quite often kids will give you an opportunity to have that conversation through what they're saying. Um, An example of this would be, I've got kids of my own and they are now exposed to a lot of the world through the kids around them. Mm. Um, And they'll come to me and say, oh, uh, this is somebody's lover. And then I say, what do you think that that means? Uh, And then they'll say, Oh, it's somebody who loves the other person very much. And I'll say, well, not really. In in the way that that word gets used, it actually means that that person is either wanting to date the person or in a relationship with them or wanting to have sex with them. And then the kid gets a understanding of, oh, wait, this means something different to what I expected, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and those conversations really do need to be had at 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, we can't wait until after puberty to have these conversations. Mm. Teenagers uh, over the age of 13, 13, uh, 19, bracket? You know, by the time we're looking at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, um, I think up until about... 16, we've got a lot of opening to have these conversations. As kids get older, they stop wanting to talk to their parents about sex and relationships, um, especially if there's been sort of like reticence around the conversation to begin with. Uh, If we have an open line of communication, if it's already been normalized as a topic within the house, they're much more likely to come to us with conversations about uh, and difficulties that they're having navigating certain situations where they need more information. Um, By the time a kid is over the age of 16, they tend to already have their own way of gathering information. So if we've not opened these these lines of dialogue, then they're going to go onto the internet and start Mm -hmm. typing into the internet rather than speaking to a parent. Um, which is why having the conversations when the kids were younger is so important because it, it means that they realize that the topic is not off the table. Yeah. Uh, um, and by the, by the time somebody's a teenager, they really want to know about the relationship stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they know the body. They know what it does. They understand the mechanics of sex. They've probably seen porn already because most children are exposed to porn around about the age of 12, 13, um, either directly or indirectly because somebody's seen something on. Um, so, so most children have a, a basic concept of the mechanics already. Um, then they start wanting to really understand the nuances of um, 
what does it mean to be dating somebody and how do I tell if somebody's interested in me and what, uh, how do I make the first move and what do I do with rejection when I'm interested in somebody. So it really looks into kind of like the social, uh, psychosocial aspects of sexuality and relationships. Sexuality as it uh, pertains to one's sexual orientation, when we get questions now uh, on, uh, I mean, our children are on their phone, so they're going to see the tweets and Instagram posts about Pride Month this June. What are the observations there for parents? So I think a lot of parents want to shy away from having a conversation about gender and sexuality because it's something that is such a fraught topic for so many um, because of society, because of stigma. Um, But what I want parents to understand is that I have literally been to hundreds of classes. I've spoken to thousands of children and never in my years of doing sex education have I had a class where I haven't had at least one LGBTI child in that class. Mm. So when we have these conversations, first of all, we need to understand that queer people exist in the world. It's a fact, it's a reality, and not talking about it or being disapproving of it does not stop these people from existing in the world. Um, In South Africa, we have a constitution that protects people based on gender and sexual orientation. Mm. So regardless of personal feelings around gender and sexuality, um, every single human being in South Africa has a right to safety and dignity. So we want to be ensuring that the children that we are bringing into the world are respectful of people who are different to them. And then also understand that any comments that get made about LGBTI people where we think that the kids don't hear, um, they do in fact hear, and that becomes part of how they then interact with these topics, either through shame because they themselves are an LGBTI person who now can't go to a parent and talk about this because the parent has been making gay jokes or something like that, and they've become a fundamentally unsafe person. Mm. Or alternatively, um, as somebody who's going to know LGBTI people in the world and is either going to be an ally to those people and able to uh, build the diversity of South Africa and make sure that people are dealt with respectfully, um, or alternatively become the disapproving bully who causes LGBTI children to have a harder time moving through the school space. So it's a difficult topic, right? And I think it's a difficult topic for me as a sex educator to cover, but it's also a very difficult topic for an LO teacher to cover because it's very difficult not to (laughs) impose our own ideas and our own concepts on the topic based on our social understanding, based on the biases that we were brought up with, based on our religious understanding, and knowing that not everybody in the country shares the same understandings as us. 
but it must be had uh, nonetheless. Can we connect with you, Dr. Rosen, uh, your website and social media handles? Absolutely. You can find us online at sexysmarts.co.za um, and on pretty much all of the social media as sexysmarts underscore ZA. So that would be Twitter, Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, people are welcome to drop us an email at any point at let's talk at sexysmarts.co.za. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it this early morning. <laughs> Sorry to wake you up it's again. A- It's an absolute pleasure, anytime. Thank you. Dr. Eli Rosen is a sex educator at Sexy Smarts. Final messages of the morning. Bongala Palma in KZN saying, man, I'm such a mess. I just woke up and it's very cold in this place.